welcome aboard Just Jets with your captain, Matt O'Leary. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to episode number 67 of Just Jets. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary hanging out with you today. We are going to get into the New York Jets bonding at an Islander game. Things you love to see. We're going to get into Makai Becton and a Hall of Fame status for Makai Becton, really? And your voicemails in today's episode. Super excited to hang out with you. Let's take care of business first. How do you like the background for this video? Manscaped is our sponsor for today. Support for today's episode comes from Manscaped. Manscaped has the right tools to get the job done quickly, safely, and hygienically. And Father's Day is right around the corner, and you know you're going to have to get your dad a gift. So why not the brand new Lawnmower 4.0 or a fan favorite here at the Just Jets podcast, the Cologne, Refined Cologne. Absolutely love it. So I got you hooked up. 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with my promo code JETS20. You can pick yourself up something nice. Help support Manscaped, help support the channel, use the promo code, and get Dad a present he will never forget. So there you go, got the housekeeping out of the way, excited to get into this episode. Actually, before we do that, just something on next week's show. So next week is Memorial Day weekend. It is also one of my buddies, probably my best friend's bachelor party over the weekend. We are going to the Poconos. Yes, everyone's vaccinated, don't worry. We're going to be fine. It's going to be safe. It's going to be fun, all that good stuff. But that means Monday's episode is going to be delayed because I am not home in my studio. So what I am going to do, it's going to be a record on Monday, post on Tuesday for next week's show, and then we will return back to our normal schedule. Uh, So just wanted to get that PSA out there. So if you're looking for your fix on Monday, most people are off on Monday anyway, so maybe they're not going to necessarily be looking for the show. So I think it's going to work out for both sides. So 68 is dropping on Tuesday instead of on Monday. So let's jump right into it. Let's first talk about bonding. So Zach Wilson from the haters had this thing where is he really a team leader? Well, he's young at 21 years old, which is tough for him to be a leader. But things you like to see is him taking initiative and hanging out with the rookies, which is awesome. We saw that we spending time with Elijah Moore. We saw him, you know, at rookie camp, obviously, and it looked like he was taking charge. But yesterday we had Zach Wilson, Mike White, and a big chunk of the offensive line at the Islanders playoff game at Nassau Coliseum right here on Long Island. So most of the guys were in town and the ones who were in town were able to go over to the game. And sure, we know the Islanders probably gave him tickets. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that Zach Wilson's a diehard Islanders fan or, or any of these guys are. But it's just cool to see the, you know, hanging out, bonding. That's what it's all about. We love that. Whether it's an Islander game, a Ranger game, Knicks, Nets, Yankees, Mets, doesn't matter to me. Just the fact that the guys were out there, you know, hanging out is good stuff. And each one of them had a custom Islanders jersey. And really, the one who stole the show Dan Feeney, man, he was having the time of his life chugging beers on camera. He went viral yesterday, which was awesome. And I tweeted this and a a couple of things. I'll share a couple of my tweets uh, with you guys or thoughts with it. Number one, Dan Feeney, someone I would love to hang out with, not necessarily someone I want starting from my football team. He seems like a load of fun, not a great NFL player. If he was, if he blocked as good as he chugged beer, he would be electric. And he looks so much fun too with the mullet and the mustache. Really cool. 
really seems like a really cool guy, just not someone I want starting for my team. And then for my Long Island folks, made a little joke. So there's a screen cap of both Wilson and Feeney celebrating after the Josh Bailey goal. So we know what Zach Wilson looks like. We know what Dan Feeney looks like. And if you're from Long Island, you'll get the joke. If not, you're going to have to put the pieces together. But I said, Zach Wilson, Garden City High School, class of 2016. Dan Feeney, William Floyd High School, class of 2012. Which William Floyd is in Mastic Beach. No hate to Mastic Beach. But one of my good buddies lives in Mastic. It was just a lighthearted joke. Having fun. He got a good laugh out of it. Let's not get offended, please. Uh, just a little Long Island humor for you guys if you're from Long Island. Uh Hopefully you get that one. And yeah, just overall, it went viral yesterday, so thought I would talk about it. The guy's hanging out. Zach Wilson chugged the water bottle. Who cares? The guy, I mean, not everyone's going to chug beer. He's, he's drinking water. Let's not make a big deal out of it. But really cool to see the guys bonding together and just hanging out. It's uh, it's a good sign. We, we don't get to see that often. And they seemed like fun. Like, I would want to see a fun Jets season. Wouldn't that be a blast if, like, this team is fun and they actually, like, win some games? That, that'd be awesome. Now, the second story I have before getting into your voicemails is a little bit more serious. It was from Mackay Becton, a quote on a podcast from Mackay Becton. So where the quote comes from is from a fan-sided podcast, and I'm pulling it up right now, Where or who said it. So it was on the Matt Lombardo show, and Duke Mayweather, who knows Mackay Becton well, just want to put that out there, had this quote about Mekhi Becton. He says, quote, you look at Mekhi Becton, if you look at what Mekhi Becton brings, if that Jets offense turns around, that team turns around, if he stays healthy, he could potentially be one of the best tackles to ever play the game. Ever play. That's super high praise. He goes on to say, if you look at him at that size, those straights, I remember coming in, the big knock from everybody's, oh, he can't pass protect. He's too big and Louisville never had him do it. But then he gets to the NFL, he's locking people up, his first six weeks, you look at the rushes he had to face, and their production is non-existent. So that, obviously, is very, very high praise, and I am, uh, I'm going to make this clear, I am uh, so excited to watch Mekhi Becton get to work, and you have Elijah Vera Tucker, someone who I believe is a Pro Bowl, potentially All-Pro caliber talent at left guard next to each other. It's going to be fun, both those guys together for a while. And Mekhi Becton's rare. I think that's why Joe Douglas took the swing on him in last year's draft. That's what we were saying at the time of the pick. Most people thought Tristan Wirfs was the safe one. He went for the home run swing in Mekhi Becton. And through one year, it has absolutely worked. He was phenomenal. He, him and Wirfs, both of them were really phenomenal in year one. Wirfs played on the right side. Mekhi Becton at left tackle was excellent. He was probably the the best left tackle from last year's draft class. Wills, if I'm not mistaken, also played on the right side. Correct me if I'm wrong. And uh, Andrew Thomas struggled early on, but then kind of got into his groove. So Mekhi Becton stepping in right away and being productive from day one was huge for this team. And if he becomes a Hall of Fame caliber left tackle, that that is a beyond the home run. I don't have the words to describe what kind of meaning it would be for not only Joe Douglas, but for the Jets franchise. Because the most important offensive position outside of the quarterback is what? Left tackle how he protects for his young quarterback. And in back-to-back drafts, you potentially got Mekhi Becton, your quarterback, and Zach Wilson. And then, oh yeah, by the way, he got aggressive because he had a million picks over the next two years and traded up to get the best left guard in the class. And we know what kind of impact left guard can have. Look at Quentin Nelson and what he's done for the Indianapolis Colts. So 
Hall of Famer, I am not ready to go that far. I just think that is extremely lofty expectations only after what? What do you play? 13, 14 games last year? Whatever it was for the New York Jets. I hope he is. I pray that he's a Hall of Famer. That would be awesome, but let's just pump the brakes for a second and enjoy the ride. We'll continue to watch him develop, continue to watch him to play good football. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here and get and let ourselves down. And I'm not saying don't be excited about Makai Becton. I'm just saying to put him in Canton, Ohio might be a stretch at this point in his career. Would it stun me if he was a Hall of Famer? No, because like we hear in the quote, he has size that we've never seen at the position. And if he stays healthy, he could absolutely be special. So I don't think it's crazy. I'm just saying, like, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here in the in the process. But Makai Becton going into year two is someone I am extremely excited about to watch on the offensive side of the ball. And boy, is that rare because the New York Jets for so long have been, oh, they have some nice pieces, most of them on the defensive side. But very rarely it's like, oh, I can't wait to watch this young player develop on offense. Who's the last one? Really, I got Sam Darnold, but it, it didn't go very well, as we know. So, Makai Becton, Elijah Vera Tucker, Denzel Mims, Elijah Moore, go right down the list. Zach Wilson, all of them, extremely excited to watch in 2021 and beyond and as they continue to develop. So, definitely going to keep an eye on Makai Becton this year, as I'm sure most Jeff fans will be keeping a close eye on him. So, with that, Let's get into your voicemails now. First call of the day is from Ben in Jersey. Wants to talk about an underrated game on the schedule this year. What's up, Matt? It's Ben from Jersey. What up? So this, is, so obviously the schedule came out last week, and I'm just going to talk about a game that I have circled on my calendar. Not really for significance of the game, but for how fun the game will be and where I think we'll excel. So... I'm not talking about any of the divisional games. I'm not talking about the Sam Donald game. I'm not even talking about Trevor Lawrence versus Zach Wilson. Okay. I'm talking about Week 8 at home against the Cincinnati Bengals, Ooh. which I have dubbed the Carl Lawson revenge game. <laughs> Obviously, where we, where I think we've improved the most out of this offseason is the pass rush, for sure. We've added Carl Lawson, Sheldon Rankin, Vinny Curry. Obviously, we still have Quinnen, Foley Patakasi, John Franklin Myers. I think this should be a game where we should blow out the Bengals and our defensive line should stand out the most. Because for whatever reason, the Bengals didn't really focus much on the offensive line. They got they got Riley Roof from the Vikings. They drafted Jackson Carmen, but they passed down Pinay Sewell. And I thought there were better options in the second round than Jackson Carmen. Fair. So I'm expecting a big day for this Jets, for this Jets um, front seven. I'm not expecting like a 10 total side game, but... I'm expecting us to get a lot of sacks, and I'm expecting this to be a win because, hey, who needs cornerbacks when the quarterback can't even throw the ball into the line? And all I have to say is that Joe Burrow's got to take his ass off before this game because he's going to be hurting after this one. Love it. So that's just what I think is an important game for us. Let me know what you think, and as always, go Jets. Yeah, thank you for checking in with me, Ben. Absolutely agree. I think, one, this is a, you look at the schedule, this is a very winnable game for the Jets. I agree with you. I thought it was dumb that the Bengals went wide receiver instead of going with the offensive lineman. And Joe Burrow versus Zach Wilson is going to be a ton of fun. I can't wait to watch those two get after it. But you bring up a great point. The Jets' front four specifically, you mentioned front seven, but I'm just going to stick with the front four, is going to be wreaking havoc on teams this year. 
And ones that stick out, Carolina, I think they could wreak havoc on. Cincinnati's another one I think they could wreak havoc on. The Eagles is another team I think they could wreak havoc on. And I like that you brought up the revenge factor for Carl Lawson because what the Bengals did was they decided that he wasn't good enough and they went another direction at edge and paid a free agent instead of retaining their own guy who's younger and uh, arguably more productive over a larger sample size outside of a one-year outlier season for the other one. But uh, I agree with you. I'm looking forward to that game for a few reasons. One, I think the Jets could win. And two... Obviously, Burrow versus Wilson is going to be a huge, huge matchup. So thank you for per, uh, calling in, Ben. Let's get to Travis in Ohio. He's up next. He wants to talk about the young roster. Hey, Matt. Travis from Ohio. What up? Hey, brother. I was just thinking about something and wanted your take. We got the youngest roster since I became a fan in 1985. And a rookie QB, rookie head coach, and offensive coordinator in a division with some really good talent with great coaching. That said, we could end up in the basement of the division again because that's where we live. And there will be growing pains in the adjustment period. You know what I mean with the roster and the coaching. So, um, and that may not be a horrible thing. Don't get me wrong. I hope we go undefeated and win the Super Bowl. Of course. I mean, Jesus Christ, it's been since 1969, so that'd be awesome. But realistically, that's not going to happen. I mean, come on. So if if we're at least competitive in every game, unlike the past couple years, right. and get more than two wins while giving all the – kids experience and that'll give uh broadway joe douglas even more ammo you know so it's kind of a glass half full realistic just fan take you know what i mean so anyway just win-win if we give the we give everybody just a chance yes and they they're in games and we aren't a laughing stock. So anyway, love you. Go just bye. Thank you, buddy. Love you too, man. It's absolutely going to be a blast this year to watch this team because of the young guys. And as Travis is kind of saying, of course, I want the team to win every single game, but I'm not going to cry over wins and losses this year. It's all about development of young players. And then in 2022, that's when you should be having this, I don't know if it meant like I'm not saying fire Joe Douglas and fire Robert Sala if they don't make the playoffs in 2022. I'm just saying that the expectation in the building should be for this team to make the playoffs in 2022 because the roster is going to look so different. They have another haul of draft picks in 2022 and going into that year, they should be able to get what they have four picks in the first two rounds right now. And I don't think the Panthers are going to light the world on fire. So they should be, you know, four relatively high picks. And I don't the Seahawks, maybe they take a step back. Who knows what's going to happen over there? That's a very tough division. But look at the Jets schedule, number one, the division, number two. If this team wins seven games, I'm happy. If they win any more than that, great. If they lose, uh, if they win six, rather, then it's that's a, that could be potentially an okay year. Like, I really think five, we talked about it last week. I think even Travis called in and asked about it. I think five wins is the floor. And there are worlds where we could be happy with a 5-12 and 12 season if the offense looks good, if they are in games, and maybe they're just losing because their corners can't hold up in the second half of games. I'm okay with that. I want to watch a fun team. 
put up points, have a competent offense, have a young roster that you can root for. No more Joe Flacco to Frank Gore up the middle losing by 20 points. Like, that's fun for nobody. So hopefully, like, if we get that and more than two wins, good shape. Absolutely in good shape as Jets fans. Next up is Tommy in New Jersey. He wants to talk about some of the division rivals and how he thinks the Jets are going to do against them. What's good, man? It's Tommy from New Jersey. And uh, I'm just calling, like, I don't got a question. I got more, like, a like a thought. Okay. Uh, I've been watching the past couple Judge Jets podcasts. And uh, whenever you or somebody brings up the schedule, uh, you've been saying, like, you think, it just was split the season series with the Dolphins, split the season series with the Pats, and get swept uh, by the Bills. Two and zero by the Bills. Uh, I don't think so. I think honestly, I think we probably don't beat the Patriots this year. I honestly mm-hmm. doubt we beat the Patriots this year. We never played good against the Patriots. Or rarely ever, I should say. Especially as of recent, and. I just don't see that changing this year. I think maybe next year we can snag a win or two. But I don't think we could win against them this year. Even though, like, their offense and some of their defense is not, like, looking too great. Uh, and also the, the Dolphins, I don't think we should. I think, I think they sweep us. <laughs> Honestly, huh. they, they're looking good. Their team's very well put together, very well coached. Uh, basically, like, if Tua plays well, we're going to get swept. If Tua doesn't play well, we might split the series, but if Tua plays well, like, their team is just it's really good. I think, like, they honestly... Nah, I'm not going to say that, because the Bills, the Bills are the clear-cut division champ. Uh, I agree. But I honestly think we'll split the season series with the Bills. We usually tend to play pretty decent against the Bills, and I believe we play in Week 17 also. So yes. I, like they're gonna clinch the division, I'm pretty sure by then. So I doubt they're gonna start Josh Allen and maybe some other star players that they have. Rest them up for the playoffs. Uh, I don't know. That's just my thoughts. So I'd like to know what you think about it. Sure. Uh, I love the podcast. Keep it up and go Jets. Really appreciate it, and I, I understand where you're coming from. To be honest with you. Uh, I had them 0-2 against the Bills, but if they were able to beat them in Week 17, because like you said, they rest the starters, similar to what happened at the end of the 2019 season, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, if they're playing for you know, one of the higher seeds, that's a different story, which I think they could absolutely be in the mix for that. I think them and the Chiefs are the two best teams in the AFC. The Browns not too far behind. Am I missing someone? No, no I don't think so in my head anyway. Uh, so I think those... You know, they could potentially be fighting for for seeding at that point, so maybe not. I I agree with you. I think the Dolphins are really well built. It all depends on how much you believe in Tua. If he takes a step forward in year two, then yeah, they could probably sweep the Jets. Uh, But the one that I disagree with the most, I think, is the Patriots because they should have beat the Jets. uh, The Jets, rather, should have beat the Patriots in both times they played them last year, really. If they had competent coaching and competent. quarterback play they would have won it was one in the first game the night game an awful joe flacco interception that basically turned into a punt and they lost on a last second field goal and then in week 17 they were winning that game and blew it because sam Darnold threw two second half interceptions so if you have competent co- coaching number one and quarterback play number two i think you can win and i know they, they've made a bunch of flashy moves in free agency this year and i think they will be better i think cam will be better or if mac jones plays i think he could be okay but I don't think it's to the point where they're like the dominant Patriots anymore. I'm not saying like, 
I guess I'm somewhere in the middle. You have some people who are like that this the Patriots team without Tom Brady is completely cooked. Don't give him any credit in the world. And other people who are still like this is the same team that we saw from 2001 to 2019. And I guess I'm somewhere in the middle where I do think they still deserve respect, but I think the Jets can hang with them, as we saw last year, uh, with a much worse Jets team. And sure, the Patriots were worse last year, too. I think they play better this year. I think there may be a, a, a nine-win team, let's say, for them. It's a little bit different if I'm if I'm the New York Jets. So I, I am confident that they could beat the Patriots once. Uh, it would not shock me if they only had one win either against this division. It's a very tough division, but we'll see how it shakes out. I think you're uh, uh, being a little critical, but I understand it, Tommy. I really do. Vinny from Peekskill is up next. He has some Chris Herndon numbers for me. Hey, Matt. It's Vinny from Peekskill. I just called, so forget that last one. My math was wrong. But I just saw your Chris Herndon video, and I totally agree with you. Okay. And I have the correct math to back it up. So I have the averages for tight end production in the league last year, the average of tight end production by Adam Gates over the last five years. Yep. And the average tight end production by tight ends under Shanahan and LaFleur over the last five years. Okay. So last year, tight ends in the NFL averaged about 226 yards per game. I mean, season. Per season, okay. In the season. <laughs> and in the five years under Adam Gates, tight ends averaged about 116 yards a year. Yikes. Low. That is absolutely pathetic. That's 120. And yards below average. Meanwhile, tight ends under Shanahan and LaFleur averaged 187 yards a season. And I know that's high because most of that is George Kittle. But even if you were to take out Kittle, it's still a significant number. So it's still below average, though, right? So, so 26 and 187? It wouldn't surprise me to see Herndon bounce back with the proper coaching and such. So I totally agree with you. In fact, I'll probably send you that. I'll send you the average of what it is with Kittle taking out of the equation just to show that it's still better than Adam Gase. True. But that is all, and go Jets. We will absolutely take an upgrade over what Adam Gase has given the New York Jets over the last couple of years, uh, especially at the production from the tight end because he hasn't used them. I fully expect the point remains the same even you know with those numbers. I think Herndon's going to be better, and I think the tight end room overall is going to be better. And I, I'm excited for Kenny Oboa. I really am. I think he has a legitimate shot to be a pass catcher in this offense. I'm not saying he's going to you know, uh, turn into, you know, this 500 plus yard receiving tight end, but to spell Chris Herndon, having a second tight end who can catch and Croft is your, or Croft, however you say it, is the blocking tight end with Trevon Wesco as a fullback slash also another blocking tight end that I think you're in good shape. I really do. Um, and I'm excited to see what Herndon could do in 2021 because I think he has talent. I think he checked out a little bit last year and maybe, you know, mentally he has to get a little bit better, but you know, ultimately, that there is still some talent. I understand the drops. I get it. 
Um, but I'm still holding on to my Chris Herndon stock for at least one more year. And then if he's bad this year, then you cut bait, you move on. He's, he's on a cheap rookie deal still at this point. You're fine. Jeremy from California is up next. He's got some thoughts on Elijah Moore. Hey, Matt. Um, this is Jeremy from Sacramento. Hey, I just had, I just want to know if you heard about Elijah Moore. I, I, I read something that when he was a freshman, they played him against um, South Carolina and he put up, somebody got hurt, he came in and he put up 126 yards, um, 11 receptions, and they say it was J.C. Horn responsible for him. I don't know, I didn't see the highlights. Um, I haven't been able to find it yet to, to confirm whether or not J.C. Horn was covering him that game. Um, but um, I just wanted to know if he knew about that. That sounds kind of exciting considering where Horn went in the draft and the kind of cornerback he is. Um, also, um, I'm just thinking that I don't know if the, like if you agree, you know, he might be amazing, unbelievable, and he's going to blow us away. But because just the way the Jets are set up with all those weapons, I, mm-hmm. I'm imagining it's going to be hard for him to show it in numbers, possibly. Um, I just want to you know what you think is realistic with the numbers, even if he turns out to be one of those special, special receivers. Um, do you think that's he's still, you know, based on the way our offense is structured around the run and – so many targets um, that, you know, what do you think realistically his numbers could be no matter how special he is? Just, just curious. All right. Thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate you checking in. And I think in year one, I agree, maybe temper expectations. I think you could still be like a, a good receiver, but maybe like a Denzel Mims-like production or maybe a little bit more. I think he plays all 16 games. I'm going to put him at between 400 and 600 receiving yards that's the thing it's hard for me to gauge because like you said they have so many weapons and i don't know who's going to get favored i would assume that the top three targets in terms of uh receiving is going to be davis mims and crowder in the slot but i think more is going to be utilized kind of in, in a bunch of different packages like line them up in the backfield give them jet sweep kind of a things and, and use them kind of all over the place and you know eventually down the line if he can put up you know, 900 plus receiving yard seasons over a thousand yards would not be stunned at all. I think he is that good and he can put up, you know, wide receiver one like production from the slot, from outside, from in the backfield, all that kind of stuff. But in year one, I agree with you, especially with Crowder in front of him, with Corey Davis in front of him. And I would assume Mims is as well. I don't think the production is necessarily going to be there. But in year two with Crowder gone and him as the main slot guy, completely different story. He could absolutely put up you know, 800, 900 yards, maybe more than that from the slot. Um, The thing that's hard to gauge is it's not like he is the only guy in this Jets wide receiver room. They have a really deep wide receiver room, which is crazy because last year they were running out the the corpse of Chris Hogan, Jeff Smith, Vincent Smith, Lawrence Cager, all those guys. So um, I'm excited about Elijah Moore. I know most Jets fans are. Uh, I might just say, you know, don't be disappointed if he doesn't put up great numbers this year. I think he'll flash at times uh, and then him to develop over over time, clearly. Noah from Long Island is up next. He has a question about 2022. Hey, Matt. uh, It's Noah from uh, Long Island, New York. I was wondering if you'd do a video on um, do a a way too early mock-off season for the 2022 season and kind of just do like all the needs that the Jets have to have to fill through the draft and through free agency next year. So uh, keep the good work and uh, hope to see the video. Thanks. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't thought about that yet just because I'm still kind of focused on 2021 stuff. Uh, maybe over the summer when things quiet down, I'll do a way too early kind of thing uh, for just the season in general and for going into next off season. Um, that's definitely something I could do down the line. I don't necessarily think I want to do that right at this minute. I still have some stuff that I want to cover uh, from the draft and some stuff leading into this year. But at some point over the summer, maybe I will check in and do a way too early 2022. Uh, off season. I, I could probably look into doing something like that. Last one, Jeffrey in New Jersey. He wants to talk about backup quarterback options for this New York Jets team. Hey, Matt, it's Jeffrey from New Jersey, and I just want to talk about the uh, backup quarterback situation right now. Um, as it stands right now, we have James Morgan and Mike White fighting for the backup quarterback role. Um, Brian Hoyer just re-signed with the Patriots, and Jeff Driscoll just signed with the Texans. Um, looks like the only guy out there right now is Nick Mullins. Um, I don't know why we haven't brought him in yet. Um, I think we should, and I think he's the right guy to sign, but um, I don't know why they haven't done anything with him yet. Maybe they will. I know they signed Flacco last year back in May, so maybe we should expect something later this month, but, I mean, they should probably get this done sooner. Um, my question is, Besides Nick Mullins, who would be your other options at this point? Thank you, and have a great day. Yeah, that's a tough one. I think most of them have been snatched up, as you said. You, lay, you laid out there, and you're right. The The Jets did sign Flacco around this time last year, um, and there were a couple who just went off the board. The Jets met with Brian Hoyer, and as we know, he re-signed with the Patriots. I don't know. Do we? Do you say that we trust James Fla uh, James Flacco, James Morgan to be the backup after not dressing for a game last year? Uh, he seems like holding a clipboard kind of a guy um, at the moment. Mullins seems to make the most sense, but if you want to go for a guy who maybe hasn't been signed yet, God, there aren't. A, there's not a lot of. There's not really a lot of options left. There really isn't Brent Hundley or Matt Barkley. That's really it. RG3. Alex Smith retired. Josh McCown's retired. Sean Monahan, Mannion from Minnesota. I don't even know who that is. Case Cookus. Jacob Dolaga. Dolgala. Whatever it is. Yeah, there's, there's really not a lot of options left. So they better figure it out with Nick Mullins or... Hope and pray that Morgan's the guy you thought he was when you grabbed him in the fourth round. I don't know. I personally would like a veteran. And like with Mullins, he, he played in the San Francisco offense. Like, wouldn't it make sense to bring him in? What do I know, though? So uh, I agree with you, though. I, I think they have to have a, a veteran in here. It, it just makes too much sense to not have a veteran in here. So that's going to do it for me on this episode. Reminder that next week, episode 68 is going to be coming out on Tuesday instead of Monday because it's Memorial Day weekend. And I will be at my buddy's bachelor party hanging out, having a good time safely, all that fun stuff. So hope you enjoyed this episode this week in episode 67. Follow me on social media at Matt O'Leary NY. Don't forget to subscribe, whether you listen here on the YouTube channel or in the podcast form, spread the word, spread the love. Absolutely appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Matt O'Leary, and I will talk to you next time.